There's a chance you may never have heard of Divine, the Egg Lady, or even Queen Carlotta. But they're out there showing at a midnight movie near you. They're John Waters' leading crazies, screen characters completely out of step with the moral majority. Waters' latest film, Polyester, makes a farce of American middle-class boredom. Dexter, honey, dinner's on the table. I think it's a, a joke on the real essence of American life. Um, I think that all the humor in my film, people are laughing at things that basically they're a little nervous. Should I be laughing at this? Which I think is good. That's the kind of humor that interests me. Um, as far as having any socially redeeming value, I don't. I hope I don't have any, because I really. The only thing I want to be is a, a negative role model for a whole new generation of bored youth. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Welcome, folks, to another episode of Astro Radio Z. Yes, you are, in fact, listening to the polyester episode. We recorded this once. It failed. We're back, though. We're going to make this happen tonight. Even though, unfortunately, half of our crew is MIA missing in action. Chuck Norris must have taken them out, but it doesn't matter. We're going to forge on with me tonight. I have Miss Angelique Bone, who now is engaged to be a Mrs. Congratulations, Miss Angelique you. Bone. <laughs> Thanks. Do you wanna do you wanna tell the listeners of Astro Radio Z how how you met the the man of your dreams? Well, I mean, as embarrassing as it is, we met on Tinder. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll tell you, my brief stint on Tinder was very fruitless and uh, made me delete the app quite promptly. Have you ever had any other than this? Obviously, this is a wild success. Yes. How has it been for you other than this? Um, a little creepy sometimes. Um, sometimes? A lot. A lot creepy. <laughs> you know, there's there's a there's a time and a place to reveal that that on your your first date, um, that the male party was wearing women's undergarments, and that's mm -hmm. not on your second date. Mm, that, <laughs> you know? that sounds like that's in line with our episode tonight. Here, how many? Let's let's be honest because I've I'm not of the female gender. How many dick pics did you actually get while on Tinder? Oh, God, so many. Are you serious? Is that what happens? The guys yes. get a hold of you and just send pictures of their junk? Well, yeah, because, like, okay, because, you know, the whole how it works, you know, you swipe left if you're like, eh, you swipe right if you're like, eh, then next thing you know, you know, if, if you like each other, the message thing pops up and like, oh, I have a message. No, that's a cock. No, nope, that's a dog. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, why did you take a picture of that? It's like it, it was like that old saying, "Nice shoes, let's fuck," but right. now it's just you know. Yeah, here's dogs. my here's my dick from a horrible angle, and soft most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, if you really want to impress me, you know, put it on a, a piece of pizza or something. Get inventive. <laughs> what type of what type of advertising is that, man? That's like instead of putting a Domino pizza on the picture, you just let people smell the fart from it. Yeah, that, or Thank Dorito you. farts. Dorito farts. Yeah, oh, it's, it's the dick pics, dick pics <laughs> are the Dorito farts of the dating world now. You, you know God what? Man. I would I would think guys would be a little hipper to this now, where they would at least put like, you know, make the dick pics kind of funny, where you put like a bow tie on the on the dick and some googly googly eyes. eyes exactly. Oh, man, I would show you how many funyuns I could fit on it. <laughs> yes, you know. <laughs> Soft or hard, Andrew? Soft or hard? Yeah, man, that's a that's a private question right there, man. <laughs> oh, you just don't get none near the hole because that should have burned. I mean, I mean, like, how many Krispy Kremes can you throw on that sucker? Let's see, you know. 
<laughs> well, I suppose it, it, uh, Krispy Kremes for you. Andrew well, likes the the Funyuns. Is it the nah, smokehouse like flavor Funyuns, Funyuns or, or the regular flavor Funyuns? I was just being funny, man. I don't like Funyuns. <laughs> <laughs> this just struck a nerve. Obviously, folks, that is Mr. Gonzarific himself, Andrew Shearer. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm wonderful, man. As a, as always, it's an honor to be asked and be invited to be talk about John Waters, one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, and particularly one of my favorite movies of his, Polyester. I'll be quite blunt with you, Cuddles. I think my marriage is on the rocks. You'll never get a penny out of me, you fat hunk of cellulite. this to you guys where do you think this kind of lies in his filmography um do you feel this is part of the early era do you feel this is firmly in with the more sophisticated kind of mainstream stuff or do you think this is kind of a transitional piece where um desperate living was kind of the last atom bomb kick to the nuts and uh hairspray is you know, this is that movie that's right in between those because Hairspray is nothing like his old movies. What do you guys think, Andrew? Oh, man, you know, uh, you know, in one of the earlier episodes I mentioned, like, well, in terms of his filmography, I really think it's like a, a bunch of little sets of movies, you know, because he's, you know, you think about how many mo- movies he has, how many features he has, you could kind of try and group them together in little trilogies or whatever. But for me, man, I really just think that this was just such a huge turning point. I mean, it's it is just it starts it threw John Waters into a, a realm of filmmaking that he didn't never go back to, no matter how hard he seemed to want to, because it's still like in the um the juvenile delinquent or kids gone bad sort of thing that he was mm-hmm. doing. But other than that, man, I mean, he's he's not working the camera anymore. He's got like. Uh, name actors in the movies he's got backing from new line cinema i mean it's it everything just had to be higher end man this is this is just the this was this was the future because i and hadn't it been a few few years since he'd made a movie like desperate living and then it was like what like four or five years later something like that with this right one? no more the the dreamland was was gone this is definitely that point where he was making a concerted effort to up his game. The as you said, the Dreamlanders are mostly relegated to bit cameos. Um, the only real Dreamlanders that have any significant roles are Divine, who plays uh, Francine Fishpaw, the main actress, and Mink Stoll, who plays uh, Francine's husband Elmer's mistress. <laughs> Other than those two, the rest of them, like um, Cookie Mueller and uh, Mary Vivian Pierce and Gene Hill, all are just like blips. Angelique, what do you think of that scene with Gene Hill in it? Is that the one where she gets her foot stomped down? Nope, that's no. the one where she gets hit with the broom in the backside. You crazy <laughs> I beats the shit out of that punk. And then bites their tire. 
absolutely love it. So where do you think, Angelique, this falls in? Do you think this is more along the lines of a, of a hairspray than some of his earlier stuff? Or what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, like, like you said, the, it was the end of the real, the Dreamlanders were gone. You know, so many had died and, you know, it's like, well, this is a different world. So let's try to do something different. And like, you know, Andrew said with the, the money from new line, the serious backing, you know, this was his, a real foray into, huh, what can we do without so much filth? Well, it was still still gross. Yeah. No, it was still gross. There was still some, some, pretty you know filthy things in it and i mean that family good god the fish paws are a joke (laughs) (laughs) that's putting it lightly yeah but i mean it's it's still it's even more polished like you know desperate living was you know compared to the other things we had seen extremely polished but this was like next level so it's just walking out and saying okay here we go this is Let's give this a whirl. Well, I think right from the beginning, you could tell that there was a bigger budget because the opening credit sequence is one long steady cam shot that yep. goes through uh, Francine's house that kind of sets up the world we're about to go into. Um, it, it goes through this very suburban house, and you get to see each of the rooms with no people in it, which I think is very intentional. It's setting the scene of, you know, white picket fence suburbia. And we follow this camera up the staircase to a divine sitting and putting makeup on who doesn't look like a clown, who doesn't look like a demented demon clown. Um, So I think right from the get go, this movie is far more in line with a traditional comedy where it had very good photography. It is one of the first films that actually have a score. I mean, we we talked last episode uh, in Desperate Living uh, about how he actually had a score to that film. Uh, This one, one of the main actors, uh, Tab Hunter, he had a song that was part of this, and Deborah Harry wrote a song uh, that that is the I believe the title track to this and and Bill Murray sings a tune, yeah, in this because I guess he, he and uh, John Waters were pals at the time. So uh, this film I, I really think has that that air of some of the anarchy from his earlier films, but the sophistication that from that point on. Uh, filmmaking wise and technique wise that we would get to know um, because it was he even makes reference to this in the in documentaries and in books that he just couldn't make films the way he was anymore the people were all dying Um, he wasn't living that life anymore and this was what he wanted to do with his life was actually make movies and there's really no, not much money to be made in in trash for very long. And uh, how much how much further could you really push it after those first five films? I really don't know where you could go. Um, so what did he do? He decided to make polyester. Now, before we get into the story of polyester, let's talk about polyester as a gimmick. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Odorama. Now, we all know that John Waters was a big fan of William Castle. And with this film, he decided he was going to pull a William Castle and do this thing in the theaters called Odorama. And what Odorama is, is that on the screen, there would be numbers that would flash and you would see somebody on screen, mostly Divine, sniffing around at something. And you would take this scratch and sniff board, scratch that number, and smell it. And you that would emulate what Divine was supposed to be crazily sniffing around at. And uh, on this card, there were 10 different smells. There were, Number one was roses. Two was flatulence, which... Uh, John Waters would later say he was very happy that he got people to pay to smell farts. 
Um, <laughs> number three was model airplane glue, which uh, I believe in latter versions, they had to change that smell. Yep. Um, just for, you know, you don't want to be promoting that you're making people sniff glue. Um, number four was pizza. Number five was gasoline. Six was a skunk. Seven was natural gas. Eight was new car smell. Nine was dirty shoes. And 10 was air freshener. Now, what did you guys think about this gimmick, Andrew? Oh, I loved it, man. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of William Castle, and um, I, I, I didn't get to see polyester with the Odorama card until I went to a screening at the plaza, and they'd handed out the cards, and they did it. So uh, prior to that, I just had the, uh, the DVD um, with, uh, with the card in it, you know. Uh, but I, I think it's fantastic because, um, you know, before, before we did Odorama, I think – there had been like smell or smell like there had been some attempts to do it, but it all involved like basically pumping perfume into the theater from the vents. And so the people up front got it when they were supposed to, but then the yep. people back later were like, what, what am I, you know, it was all late and shit. So this is really like the, the best possible experience you could have with it. And it really does work. And it really is a lot of fun. Yeah. If you were to get the DVD that came out, that new line put out, uh, probably in the mid-2000s, early 2000s, mid-2000s, they actually had a replication of the smell because for years, polyester, once it hit the home video circuit, didn't do it, and they got rid of the number system on screen. So that cut had to looked very strange, <laughs> as divine in each and every one of these scenes when numbers pop up, it's just going... <laughs> like a dog sniffing around. <laughs> and the worst part of it, you know, I watched this on Amazon uh, Prime and it's the version without the numbers, but they still have the Odorama introduction. Yes. And I'm that like, is oh, very weird. that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you get the DVD, which I believe now is out of print, I don't think it's that expensive. I think you go on Amazon, you could get it fairly cheap. You will have the Odorama. Now, as Angelique was saying, the, the film opens with this intro monologue of this science uh, scientist in a very hokey lab explaining the concept of Odorama. And I love this scene because it plays out like those all those old 50s, like goofy science lab uh, scenes. And the guy, as he explains it, he's just hamming it up. Big time. Yeah, Dr. Quack, Quackenshaw, I think is his name. <laughs> He's got, doesn't he have like a fake like German accent yeah, or something like that? The yes, science yeah. of old drama. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great because man, the thing is, when, you, when we talk about John Waters, like le kind of leaving the old stuff behind, John Waters is a fan of a whole lot of other kind of movies, man. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, we want to see all the other influences in his films too. Because, you know, in the past ones we talked about, like his influences from maybe Herschel Gordon Lewis or Night of the Living Dead or things like that. So to see the influence of William Castle in one of his movies is awesome. And this wouldn't seem so authentic if he didn't know exactly what he was trying to do, you know? Well, he was still trying to push the envelope and trying to get butts into seats. You know, before he used shock to get butts into seats. Now he was doing the William Castle gimmick and, uh, I don't know what the effect that really had on audiences, whether or not it was successful or not, but uh, it, it's pretty funny. After that, which is a totally just an opener, an intro to the film, the story starts, and the story of Polyester is about a suburban housewife played by Divine as Francine Fishpaw. Her world falls apart when her pornographer husband, Elmer, admits that he's serially unfaithful to her, her daughter, Lulu, gets pregnant, and her son, Dexter, is, is suspected of being the foot fetishist who's been breaking local women's feet. <laughs> After Elmer leaves her for his mistress, played by Mink Stoll, to pursue their, quote-unquote, erotic <laughs> lifestyle, Francine becomes an alcoholic until a mysterious man, played by Tab Hunter, steals her heart. This film, it, it takes the conventions of what uh, John Waters called 
quote unquote women's pictures of the fifties and sixties, which was a uh, exploitation genre that typically featured bored and unfulfilled and troubled uh, housewives that needed to find escape through either a young man or decadence and drugs and alcohol and sex and things of this nature. And um, this is kind of what this film is. Divine, as I said before, plays this role as straight as can be. She is a straight person, and every other person in this film is absolutely batshit fucking crazy, which is interesting because it's usually the other way around in most of John Waters' films. Um, Angelique, what do you think about this turn where uh, Divine comes back after being gone for Desperate Living and comes back to a John Waters film, but plays it mostly straight. What did you think of this? Well, I really enjoyed it because it really showed, you know, well, we knew she was insane and talented, but now we know, oh, wow, she really does have good acting talent. Because, I mean, she did great as the quote, quote, straight man in this and of course like you said not seeing her as a demented clown seeing how really truly beautiful she was absolutely you know and just this poor put upon woman <laughs> you know <laughs> um it was just a really refreshing yeah life. she they she wanted nothing more than to just live a normal suburban housewife life of uh being anonymous and just raising her family and being happy with her husband, but not one single person in that fucking house (laughs) wanted to play along with it. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts on Divine? Beautiful. Awesome. You know, I I think that um, there was no way after Desperate Living and and how they, you know, that was not a successful movie. There was no way John Waters was going to get to make another movie without Divine, I don't think. Not through this company. So they had to kind of come back and, and I'm fine at this point was a celebrity and probably, probably broke, probably spending money like crazy. So, you know, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was the way it had to be, but I, who is now a big star, just another one of, one of his old roles, man, you want to get something really, you know, it's a leading, uh, leading character. So this is the kind of movie that, he could only trust with somebody like that. You know, if you don't have, you have Tab Hunter, who's your, your actual star and divine is the other actual star. So they have to play up opposite each other. It's the, the only way I could see it happening, you know? Right. I thought divine for the most part was very charming in this film. She plays, she, she plays this really put upon character who's, Husband uh, runs a porno theater <laughs> that he's very proud of. <laughs> God, you're home. Get off of me. Why haven't you notified the press? Think of the publicity. The theater will be packed tomorrow night. Oh, Albert, please don't call the press. It's bad enough already. All the neighborhood women spit at me when I'm in the shopping mall. You wouldn't be in the shopping mall if it wasn't for my theater. Oh. Hello? Channel 12 News? This is Elmer Fishbaugh, 538 Wyman Way. I'm the owner of the Charles Park Theater. I thought you might want to send a minicam crew out to my home. Minicam? The citizens for decent films are violently demonstrating on my front lawn. Oh, there are more of them out there. I'll never be able to show my face in church again. I'll be excommunicated because of you. Stop that yammering and fix me a drink. Oh, what do we want? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and exclaims such amazing uh, dialogues, such as, get out of my way. I've got a big day counting money tomorrow. <laughs> One of my favorite lines is where he he wakes her up after he's dressed himself and the kids have eaten and uh, she's still sleeping in bed and co- and he wakes her up. Well, I guess I'll have to go fix my own cereal. <laughs> <laughs> so good, dude. He is he is my favorite character in this movie. There's a lot of great characters, but every time that dude is on screen, um, uh, Elmer Fishpaw, uh, who, Fishpaw, who's played by David Sampson, I am dying because he, 
the way he delivers all of his lines is very similar to the early era John Waters that we're familiar with. It's camp to the extreme. All of his dialogue is absolutely ridiculous. He he calls her um, an anteater at one point. Um, <laughs> he's driving around their neighborhood after he leaves her uh, for Mink Stoll and is using a megaphone to just... <laughs> the hairiest woman that he's ever met and uh, constantly is calling her on the phone as she's, you know, drinking herself to death, basically. And her, uh, Elmer and uh, Mink Stoll are, are like faking on the phone that they're having sex. <laughs> so they're, and his character is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like she I, I weighs three hundred pounds, and she's an alcoholic. Crazy <laughs> sticks, like she can eat a whole cake at one time. <laughs> she's the hairiest woman I've ever seen. You want to see a picture of her? What's bad is like if a dude was like going around my neighborhood talking about a lady like that, I'd really want to be friends with her. The way he described her, as we've said before in other episodes, John Waters films they reside in an alternate universe. And this is the film where it feels like the early era universe is um, trying to twist and turn somebody from the latter era John Waters into a deviant because it's just like divine plays this normal straight character in every other person. So we talked about Elmer, who's the husband Let's talk about the other two people in her immediate family. We have Lulu Fishpaw, who is who is the daughter, who is this floozy, who who um, just sits and dances all the time for uh, what did she say? For a quarter at lunchtime for the boys. Hi, Freddy. Where did you get that outfit? I borrowed it. Do you like it? That's a new garment, Lulu. I can smell it. Have you been shoplifting again? I with money I saved. What money? You don't have a job. Boys at school give me money. For what? For dancing at lunch period. You dance loudly for the boys at lunch period? For a quarter, I will. Stop that dancing. Don't be upset, Mrs. Fishpaw. Puberty brings on strange behavior in adolescence. Always runs off with her degenerate boyfriend uh, to, to go hit people in the backside with brooms. <laughs> Which I think if you've seen Toxic Avenger, it's kind of a similar scene to uh, the people, the hit and run killers in Toxic Avenger, only this is much less graphic. (laughs) They just take brooms and hit people in the backside like rabbis um, (laughs) and uh, choir ladies. Yep. So, uh, so she, (laughs) she plays this uh, just completely, uh, you know, out of control daughter and then we have uh, Dexter, the boy, <laughs> who, if you are familiar with the movies we've watched up until this point, Dexter firmly resides in the deviant sexual fetishist that we've known through shrimpers, through bicycle seat lickers, <laughs> um, <laughs> and other crazy, uh, the, the butthole guy from and if you were if you're familiar with ladder work this character of dexter very much would have been in a dirty shame big time but he's yes. he's a foot fetishist who's who's huffing glue and paint and other inhalants and is going around town stomping and breaking people's feet some people think this is funny but I have three broken toes to show for it. Did the stomper say anything? He just stomped on my foot. I love the Baltimore foot stomper. Just like when he's casing everybody's feet in front of that shopping center and he's just all like whacked out and then he finds the perfect victim and the screen goes all nuts and he just wham. I mean, I felt that. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like you, you, you think John Waters can't come up with anything more perverse you can't he can't come up with something stranger than we've seen before yet here we go we have a huffer that goes around breaking people's feet great man that guy that actor me looks like fucked up he looks like he's he does he looks like 
like in another movie he'd be a heroin addict or something like that or whatever but in this he's stomping i think uh cookie mueller is one of those foot stomper victims right Yes. Yeah, she's on the TV. That's her her big role is literally like 30 seconds of screen time on a TV report of having her foot broken. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, at least he threw her in a, a you know, like a, a close-up scene, you know? Right, right. Yeah. This, he is such a hilarious character. Like you said, he looks like what is going on with him looks real. Like He looked like, mm-hmm. like laser blast. He totally does, man. There's that scene where he's, he like is, um, what did he spray a bag under the sink or, or he's huffing something from under the sink and he's walking around and he literally looks cashed out. Right. Like he's, he's in that shopping, that, that grocery store. Right. And if you saw him, you run away, man, you wouldn't be like, Oh, that's peculiar. He's all scratching. Like, like, like a, like a crackhead, you know? Yeah. Yep. Let's go the other. Let's go to the other aisle, honey. Yeah. yeah. He's either gonna do to himself or hurt somebody, or probably do it. <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the only other family member we haven't talked about yet is Francine's mom, the lovely mother, supportive mother of Francine Fishbot. Oh God. Can you think of a more miserable person <laughs> than Francine's mom? I mean, I oh. thought Joan Crawford was rough on her kid. <laughs> Jesus. The scenes that that character is just about as funny as Elmer to me. And she doesn't have a lot of screen time, but every time she's on screen, there is some amazing line of dialogue coming out of her mouth. And I think in general, across the board, polyester has some, just like Desperate Living, has some of John Waters' on-fire best dialogue of any of his movies. Um, They're just so much funny fucking shit. Um, One of my favorite lines, well, I shouldn't say this. No, it is one of my favorite lines. Um, Divine's only friend in this entire movie is played by Edith Massey plays Cuddles, who was uh, the family's old maid who struck it rich via the lottery and still stays friends with uh, Francine and takes her out shopping and whatnot. And there's a scene early in the movie where Francine's mom comes in and uh, barges in on her while she's taking a a dump. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) And then she's like, I gotta get going. I gotta get ready. I have to. I'm. I'm meeting. Uh, cuddles. We're gonna go do stuff. And, and and her mom's like, Don't you know it's bad luck to let retarded people in your home? Call me a cab this instant. <laughs> it's so bad, it's bad luck. <laughs> it's bad luck. <laughs> and then when when Edith shows up, the mom asks her, Scrubbed out any interesting toilets lately? Mother, please. Thank God, my cab. <laughs> <laughs> it just non-fucking-stop. I mean, if there was one character in this movie you guys had to pick out as we do this with every single one of these movies, because all of John Waters' movies just are just littered with insanely fun characters. Andrew, what would be the character you like the best? Man, I don't know, dude. It's got to be like a cross movie, because I love Mink Stoll's uh, character. I don't remember. Sandra, I think it is, because she's got like the Bo Derek pen hair and shit, like the, you know, the braids and everything. Mm-hmm. I really big Mink Stole fan, so I'm glad at least one of them, besides Divine, got to have a big role. But probably, man, it's probably Lou the daughter. She's like, she's kind of like Riff Randall if she got hit in the head too many times or something. She's like, <laughs> she's got this um, one part she said. The, the dad's like, what'd you learn in school? It's like, I learned about my cervix and sex ed class. But she's got the best one, though, is when she, I don't know if you remember, she gets pregnant. Yeah. And, and, and um, you know, and uh, the mom, uh, Francine, tries to be like, you know, you should try to encourage her to keep it and stuff like that. And she's got this great thing. She's like, I feel it like cancer growing inside me like the blob. <laughs> 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 and it's like, uh, uh, she's like, uh, what, one day it'll be there, ready to rob me of all the fun I should be having. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next scene, you see her punching herself in the stomach yeah, over dude. and over and over I, again. I put that in my movie Dollface. I have all these pregnant uh, cheerleaders punching punching themselves in the stomach. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, she's she's a great character. I really like her, uh, Angelique. I gotta go with Cuddles. 
Yeah. Cuddles and Heinz. <laughs> oh, Heinz, her her butler that drives her everywhere. Edith Massey is. This is the last movie we would see Edith. Unfortunately, um, what is it about Cuddles you like so much? She's so precious, and she just doesn't care. She's got money now, and she's just going to do whatever she wants. She's going to have a debutante ball, and nobody can stop her. <laughs> I love the scene where later in the film, once Divine starts becoming an over like this out of control drunk, Cuddles shows up and takes her away from the house, and uh, you know. Divine is starting to just completely break down and Cuddles pulls out of her uh, purse. Here, how about you have a swig? And she takes this little like airplane booze and starts drinking it. And <laughs> Cuddles goes, Ah, oh, Francine, you're the most drinkingest gal I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it is like her best, like, I, I, I mean, I know that Desperate Living is probably the high, high point of, of Edith's acting, but I think she feels the most natural as Cuddles, don't you? Yes. It just felt, it, it just felt like that was who she was. Yeah. Instead of these really over-the-top, yelling, screaming characters like the one Queen Carlotta in the last film or the Egg Lady, this this character Cuddles felt more like her. Her, Francine. Because you can't say the word poor. Her, Francine. <laughs> He's coming out per. Per, Francine. <laughs> <laughs> what about the scene where they're in the they're going shopping and Francine's so hungover she starts puking in her handbag? Yeah, so good, dude. I tell you, my favorite man is when they're eating that cake together. Yes, by the oh, phone. Sh- and they keep cutting away and cutting back, and the cake is getting smaller and smaller every it's time. A whole, they cut it's back. an entire ass cake. Like it's a it's not no Pepperidge Farm. It's like a whole ass big ass <laughs> cake. Just two people eating it. Comedic wise, do you think this is on par with Desperate Living or do you not find this as funny as Desperate Living? It's different. It's a different kind of funny. I think polyester is hilarious when it's at its most abusive, I think, to Francine. It's hilarious. Toward the end, when it starts spiraling completely out of control, there are some just insane sequences like the the trick-or-treaters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who who come to the house and uh, Divine's mom uh, doesn't have any treats for them. So they they bust in the house, decided to tear it up. No candy means death. <laughs> and they yeah. start shooting up the place. It's so punk rock with them just destroying. You could tell that was a re- uh, house they were just using because there's really nothing for them to destroy but a couch, I think. There's hardly anything. Right. The fern. Yeah. 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 Well, that's how the the whole thing looks very stagey. Like you could tell, like the lighting of it, the the setups of the house, everything was really super stagey. But this film, as it went along toward the end, it really spiraled. Didn't you think at some point things were going to get better in this movie, Andrew? Um, Man, you kind of hope so, man, because it's just so bleak. You know, that's the kind of thing, man. But uh, you, you're you waiting for Tab Hunter to show up, and it takes him a long time to show up. Right. He doesn't show up until the last act of the film. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, ah, something needs to happen. Thank goodness for Tab Hunter. So, Angelique, once Tab Hunter shows up and starts to change the fortunes of Miss Francine Fishpaw, um, how do you think this this last act and the double cross and all this stuff, how do you think that played out? It played out well. It got me the first time. I was like, no, she needed something good. Boy, Tab was sure giving it to her, though, at the yeah. end there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I got I to gotta say, this, this movie – I've I've probably only seen it a handful of times, but every time I watch it, I enjoy it from beginning to end. I know there's a lot of people out there, and this movie didn't do as well as some of his other movies. I I think this was kind of a dud uh, upon the box office, and um, a lot of people tend to look back on this uh, not in very high regards, it, which is unfortunate because I think – just like Desperate Living, there is a lot 
of great, like, pointed comedy in this film. Um, very pointing the finger at, you know, suburban life and the normative uh, aspects of family life. You know, the, the whole stay-at-home mom uh, who, because she's so bored and everything around her is, is just collapsing in, in, in on itself, uh, resorts to drinking and becomes this drunk. And uh, nobody's paying attention to the kids. They're out of control. Um, so there's a lot, you know, John Waters is, is talking about this stuff in a way only John Waters could. Um, in general, Andrew, what do you think overall of uh, polyester? And where, where do you see it amongst the films that we've talked about so far? It's interesting, man, because like the people, the fans of like old school John Waters don't like really like polyester that much. And so you really could say Desperate Living and through the, the very first one, like all of those that we've already covered, that's the movie, that's the movies that like a, a certain type of John Waters fans are, are fans of. And then then it's like Hairspray on and Cry Baby, right? Those. Right. And and um, polyester is like in between them. Those people that seem uh, that love like hairspray and crybaby, they haven't seen polyester. And the people that are big pink flamingo fans or female trouble fan, they don't really like polyester. But to me, it's like if you sit down and watch it, all the stuff you've been saying about it, it fits so good in there with those old movies. It's mm-hmm. still got that really like that really satirical, really kind of angry really kind of just gross i mean just that dialogue too to me this fits right in with the with the old ones and and especially with that juvenile delinquent stuff that's in there really he never leaves that when i said in early early on about when we're talking about mondo trasho and uh you know how he's kind of keeps telling a similar kind of story over and over it's always always about oddball people you know, all the time it is. And if they're not like the center of it or whatever, they're right next to it. Like his, like his kids and stuff, like what you were saying, all the way through that last one, through Dirty Shame and Cecil Be Demented, it's all still there, man. So mm-hmm. I really think it's just a build. He needed to get into that 35 millimeter, that stop living movie to movie kind of thing and really start taking some risks. But a new line at that point, man, wasn't about to just – make some movie without some insurance, you know? Oh, absolutely. So you need to make a movie that's not going to get an X rating and stuff. Yeah. This is the first R rated film he did. Every other film was either unrated or X. Yeah. No, he couldn't have given them a desperate living or a pink flamingos. He had, this was the movie he had to give them. So this is uh it is exactly what it, it should be. I think that people that don't like polyester or whatever, don't see it as being part of those old ones they aren't looking at the right parts of it. Right. And I don't see if you've watched the way we're watching these. And we've said this before um, is a great way to really go through John Waters films because you, you're not jumping back and forth between styles and eras. You're seeing a progression. This is one of the few filmmakers where you literally can see a progression of somebody that started from very like amateur roots and slowly became a better and better and better filmmaker, but kept certain themes and kept a certain attitude through them all. And each of the films have their own voice and have their own personality, but they relate directly to the film before it in tone and in style. And I just, if if you're a fan of Desperate Living and you're a fan of uh, Hairspray, the two films that bookend this one, I do not see how you can't like Polyester because it really feels like an amalgamation of those two films. Angelique, what do you I complete, think? I completely agree. You've, you've nailed it right there. What do you, in, up until this point, how do you feel about Polyester? Do you think it's the most accomplished film. Do you think it's the most fun film? Where do you rank this so far? Uh, it's not the most fun. Why would me. you say that? Well, it's just, it's a slightly more serious bin. It's still hilarious, but it 
takes that serious turn where he was so hard on those, you know, that women's film line. It's like a lifetime movie in the yeah. Twilight Zone. That's a good way to put it. That's a really great way to put it. <laughs> you know, um, so it was still fairly serious. Desperate Living to me was the most fun. But this one, uh, polyester's, like I said before, is so much more polished. And and also just taking that line where you, you're focused on this very normal character an actual human being rather than a don davenport or Mm -hmm. you know a divine filthiest person in the world well there's more depth to this character than some of the other ones right right so i mean it's it's by no means a bad movie um it's just it's so different yeah it does feel like a person that's caught inside of a tornado (laughs) that's like how i have always thought of this film is like what if, what if you were stuck in in the world was spinning around you and there was nothing you could do about it and no matter what you did nothing better was going to happen <laughs> that's polyester is uh divine i'm sorry it's not going to get very good for you <laughs> <laughs> until the very end which i i don't know it's kind of arguable whether or not that's a good a happy ending or not if my mom was like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I got to say up until this point, I, uh, polyester definitely isn't my favorite of this uh, up until this point. I still really like it. I think if you're a fan of John Waters, you definitely owe it to yourself to go check out polyester. You're going to find a lot of fun inside of it, <clears throat> but it does breathe a lot more that like you said, it is a it is like a lifetime movie in 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 kind of some of the tone in the in the place, um, but it still has some of the most freaking batshit characters um, <laughs> that you would see in a normal Hollywood style movie. So if you're into John Waters, definitely check this one out. But it is definitely not the best. But does everything have to be the best? Can't things just be a, a fun movie? That's what I think of polyester. Andrew, you give thumbs up or thumbs down on this one? I give thumbs up, man, because like, especially if you're following the uh, career path of John Waters and Divine together, which let's face it, man, those two are just synonymous and always will be. They got a chance to go back together and do a big movie together and do a serious movie together and show that they both were experienced and have something to show for all of that effort they went into from all them years and all the years of being friends and stuff. Because this is the last leading role Divine would have in a John Waters movie, you know? And so if you look at this compared to their beginnings, it's a really, you know, we talk about the ending of the film and whether or not it's happy. Polyester is a happy ending in terms of John Waters and Divine together, I think. That's why I really like it. It just it makes me all misty when I think about it, you know? Yeah. It gives that opportunity, Divine, to play a real character. Yeah, instead 35 of 35 millimeter, yeah. Yeah, with yeah. the opposite of Teen Heartthrob, a real star. I mean, it's just I mean, it's a helicopter shot in it, you know? I mean, yep. it's so cool. Yeah, it's 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 very well made. I I really enjoy this. Angelique, thumbs up or thumbs down on this? Oh, definite thumbs up. Uh, really, there are no complaints about it. Honestly, I couldn't think of anything that I would suggest be done differently about it. I mean, it's just it's just a solid movie. Yeah, yeah. If you're you're into screwball comedies, this is definitely, as you said, I couldn't think of a better way to to put this. It is basically John Waters lifetime <laughs> movie <laughs> on crack. Why isn't he so, still making, why isn't he working for lifetime? That's a good question. Why isn't he working in general? I just don't get it. You think there would be someone out there that would give him money. I just don't think he wants to make movies anymore. Well, he wants to write and direct. And that's the thing, man, he would get work if he would just direct movies. I promise you he would. Cause like the next movie after this, that uh tab hunter and divine did together was a movie called less than the dust. I don't know if y'all are fans of less than dust, but I'm a big Paul Bartel fan. Mm-hmm. That was originally, they were John was asked to direct less than the dust, but he wouldn't do it because he didn't write the script. And so you had his two leading people from polyester doing a Western together and, you know, that's the only reason why he didn't make it. 
because he didn't write it. It's too wow. bad. It's really I mean, too bad. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, Paul Bartel is great. He's he's like if you're a fan of John Waters, Paul Bartel is kind of like almost. It's weird to say, but almost a poor man's John Waters in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is very true. He's like the gay seventy, openly gay seventies director. Just doesn't get the doesn't get the the love that uh, John Waters does. Well, unfortunately, did he do anything that was even remotely close to Pink Flamingos? I mean. I'm a big Eating Raul fan. And That's a great say, movie. I was going to say, I, I happen to think, as much as I love John Waters' movie, I have to say, I love Eating Raul as much as I love any of the John Waters movies. I, I know that this is probably the wrong set of, of, fil- of film podcasts to admit to that, but I just love that movie. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a lot more stylish than anything that John Waters ever put out. <laughs> it's not too terribly different. Like he's still sticking it to the upper class or the middle class. You know what I mean? It's still, right. I mean, they're eating people. But he, he did, he did um, Maniac Nurses in Love. He did, um, there's uh, one called Private Parts that's kind of oh, almost he, like a Brian De Palma movie. And well, and he did Death Race 2000, of course. Yes. Yeah. And um, scenes from a class struggle in Beverly Hills. He's, he's, he's good. He doesn't. I would I would do a, a set of shows on just on his actually for my show uh, uh, we did a cult core episode that was on private parts and eating Raul. Mm-hmm. I, uh, but yeah the um if if people like Tab Hunter and Divine and have not seen Lust in the Dust um, that's just a, a stone's throw from John Waters. I mean he was he was asked to direct it because but because he didn't write it he didn't do it. Oh man, crazy! So, uh, to go off on a side tangent, have you cats seen? <laughs> that uh, trailer to the new Death Race movie? Yes. Does that look like the raddest fucking shit or what? It looks like they finally understand what that movie was, the original movie was about. Oh, man, I cannot wait to see this thing. Angelique, have you seen this trailer? I've not. Oh, man. Look it up. I love the original, so I'm like, yeah. (laughs) It looks exactly like a direct sequel to Death Race. It is just so fucking amazing. So... (laughs) Anyways, there it is, folks. We did it. We re- it took us two tries, <laughs> but we got you a polyester episode. Unfortunately, or fortunately for some people, we have to bid adieu to um, kind of the punk rock John Waters. This is the last time for a little bit, at least for two movies, we get to see people go absolutely nuts and say insane things. So next episode we'll be talking about is Hairspray, which got turned into a musical. And people forget that John Waters actually made the movie first. I've actually seen Hairspray, the musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was great. Yeah, I really see? enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I went to see the, uh, the, the, the movie version of the musical. And I thought, it, I thought it was good. And they're actually getting ready. I think NBC or Fox is getting ready to do the – you know how they keep going through like the classic musicals or whatever and doing uh, yeah. like TV versions or new new TV versions. Oh, they're going to do Hairspray? They're about yep. to do Hairspray, yeah. Oh, I still haven't even gotten to see uh, the Rocky Horror one yet. I watch it all the time with my kid. Like I know a lot of people were disappointed, but I've seen so many versions of Rocky and to see such an expensive one, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's spec- to me it was spectacular. You know, if you Is have a streaming anywhere? Um, I bought it off of um, uh, I bought it off of iTunes. Okay, so it's like six bucks, and we watch it constantly. Hmm. I'm gonna have to check that out because I, I of course love Rocky Horror, and I was super interested to check this out. So I'm gonna have to. I've been waiting for it to pop up on one of the streaming services. Angelique, have you watched it yet? Not yet, but my mom uh, DVR'd it, and she wants to watch it with me the next time I come home. So. Yeah. yeah, it's like a, it's like a combination of a couple of different versions that I've seen because I've I saw one that was like super reverent to the um, the classic science fiction and horror films that uh, are, you know, mm-hmm. mentioned in the song and influenced the movie. And I've also seen a version that they treat like a total rock concert. Oh, and, you know, like Frank was treated like uh, little Richard and you know what I mean? And they they had the So it's, it's almost like kind of a combination of the two of them. It's um I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's neat. I've just, you know, Rocky, if you have a set idea in your head of what Rocky horror should be and you haven't 
you don't actually you've never actually seen Rocky Horror. I'll say right, right. Yeah, yeah. everybody was all you know up in arms because it was it wasn't like the the Tim Curry version. You that know. tells you that they've never been anywhere to see it. Is what that well, tells you. and it also it, it, isn't it also is <laughs> indicative of the same people that complained about Ghostbusters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> people just people just complain. Well, you know, white people are just losing all of their things, and they just they just can't deal. <laughs> oh, before we go down the rabbit hole, people, let's go <laughs> ahead and let's uh, let's say goodbye. And why don't you guys let the listeners of Astro Radio Z know where they can find out more about you or some of the rad stuff you guys do, Angelique Bone? Where can my listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm I'm not that difficult to find. Um, you can also check out the Film Jerks podcast. Uh, Yay! Um, <laughs> Why don't you talk to my listeners about Film Jerks? They got to listen to that awesome first episode of Blood Mania that you guys do now that it's back. Yeah, um, we. Uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm part of the new resurgence of the Film Jerks. Um, and uh, our first episode was on uh, Blood Mania, which is a not so much blood mania as, as boob mania as, as a, we go on about a bit in the episode. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. Andrew. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about Stanley. So, uh, you know, go to the Facebook page. Uh, I think it's facebook.com slash film jerks. Check it out. Watch for a new release. Um, and of course, you know, you can find movie reviews uh, from by myself and some funny cats on the lost highway.com. Yeah. And if you want, if you're subscribed to the Astro Radio Z feed, you will get uh, Film Jerks episodes on here. But if you only want, if you're one of these super anal people who need everything segmented, uh, you can go on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you have and just type in Film Jerks and you can find it there. Same with Stillborn Goat 666 Heavy Metal Podcast that also is featured here on Astro Radio Z. Um, you can go on iTunes and find its separate feed as well. So I would definitely go and subscribe, hit the subscribe, because I think that first episode was great. I'm looking forward to what you guys are going to do next. I'm oh, glad thanks. Film Jerks is back. It was a lot of fun, and it's going to be, it's just going to keep on being just as fun. Yep, I agree. I can't wait. And if you guys want to be involved, please go talk to them on the Facebook group. Mr. Gonzerific, where can my listeners find you? Hey, man, uh, you know, um, something that happened in between the time that uh, we did the Desperate Living show and this one was I actually spoke to John Waters on the telephone. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I did an interview with him for uh, we showed uh, Multiple Maniacs, the restored version uh, here in Athens. And uh, I got to got to talk to him for a little bit for for work. But um, if you like John Waters movies, me and my friends We've kind of modeled ourselves after Dreamlanders, at least in terms of making underground movies and keeping that alive. Gonzorific.com, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C, here in Athens. You can get DVDs of crazy movies like Dr. Humpenstein's Erotic Castle, Derek's favorite, yes. Erotic Couch, and a few other movies that don't have erotic in the title. <laughs> uh, and on Amazon On Demand, you can rent some of them. We have uh, Pajama Nightmare, the underground cinema, cinema with an S, and the newest one, late night cable and our youtube channel has a bunch of the old movies very reckless and irresponsible kids with camcorders we were are will forever be will forever be (laughs) (laughs) i like them erotic couches man (laughs) thanks man i mean i had this weird memory uh of shooting erotic couch if you'd like to if you'd like to hear it he was um I was using some China China lanterns to light that sex scene at the very end where the, the two humans finally have sex instead of doing it with furniture. And um, I remember um, it, we used this weird China ball that had like a coating on the outside of some kind. It wasn't like mm-hmm. the regular kind, but it, was, it had this some kind of coating. And um, It's a diffused light for those of you who don't know. It's like you can, you know, it's usually used for, you know, just like a, like a China lanterns used for decorations, but it's a great, it's a great, uh, great tool for on, on a set movie set too. Um, we left and went to dinner after we shot that scene. We came back and it smelled bad. Mm. And my first thought was, oh God, that's, be- that's from the people. It's stinky <laughs> because of the sex scene. <laughs> but it the wasn't. The sex it was, because- was so raw that it smelled <laughs> up the entire place. But it wasn't that. It was the light. But I remember having a moment where I was like, <laughs> I was like Francine Fishpaw, like... <laughs> 
What number would that have been? Two. <laughs> no, number six and number nine. I don't know. Dude. <laughs> oh, and on that note, let's say good night, people. Good night, people. Good night. Good night, people. Go back to your erotic lifestyles. We met. We spoke. Our love became infinity. Our timeless fantasy. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, YouTube, and anywhere that podcasts are found. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. Coming from me, Derek Carey, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Look at the trees, swear.